You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Episode of Who Made Who, Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Ben Knight. And we're without Aaron. Is this the second week in a row without Aaron? Was he here last week? He was here last week, not here the week before. It's it's our it's our fault to a point. We keep uh, we keep doing this whilst he's earning a dollar. Yeah, that's right. It, it, uh, this it skips a generation every week. Uh, we're gonna get around. <laughs> you know, to be to be honest, I'm I'm just on this mission this year uh, or this go around uh, for the premium podcast. To not have any double episodes mm-hmm. where we have to, um, that is why this is now the fourth podcast in two days, I think I've recorded. Uh, bec- I'm You're just, going to be uh, described soon as prolific podcaster. <laughs> That's right. The prolific podcaster whom no one has heard of. Uh, <laughs> but, but I've recorded a lot of podcasts. Uh, no, I, I, I think what it was, I, I just hated doing it. Um, the last season, because then you've got to try to remember everything from, uh, you know, not just the episode you just watched, but the episode before that as well. And yeah, which and, we did accomplish masterfully in the last series of Who Made Who, of course. Yeah, I mean that did that did happen a couple of times where there were double episodes where we we had no choice. But um, yeah, I mean the only the, I think the only double episode we did at all so far this year was uh. Fear the Walking Dead, but I think that is because the first two episodes aired on back-to-back nights. They did, yeah. Uh, which is the only reason why we did the double episode, because what's the point if they're going to do it like that? Uh, sure. uh, before we get stuck into this, we should sure. tell people what we've just spent the last, uh, let's say, half an hour, so we don't sound ridiculous instead of the hour that it really took. Uh, we've figured out, if you're listening to this on the website and thinking... You know, this is really annoying. I wanted to listen to this on my podcast aggregator of choice. Yeah. We've now solved this problem for you, premium subscribers. That's right. Uh, I... Whether you are on Android or on uh, iOS, we will very shortly be showing you in in the format of video, hopefully, uh, how it, to make this work. It is 2015. Yeah. So if you're sitting here saying, I wish I could listen to this on my, uh, my iPod or my phone, uh, no matter what device it is, uh, Except it's Windows Mobile, in which case, yeah. fuck you, seriously, get real. <laughs> Come on, get get serious, get a real phone. Yeah. Um, no, we we will show you uh, both, uh, I, I guess, paid or free apps that you can 
download for your device that will allow you to listen to the premium podcast on there. You no longer have to, because I do know, I think there's at least a couple of people who would download them and then physically put them onto your phone, but you don't have to do that anymore. It'll just get downloaded for you. We are going to solve this shit right up for you. It's uh, it's all good. But, you know, like I say, it only took us like half an hour across several formats. Didn't take any longer than that. No, not at all. Let's just move on. We got, uh, it the, we got it on the first try. That's yeah, it. yeah, obviously. Um, all right. Uh, we are going to talk about Series 9, Episode 5, The Girl Who Died. Uh, again, the first part of a two-parter. Although this feels like, for the first time this season, this this does feel like a two-parter, kind of. But it does look like the two episodes are you know very different from one another. It's not one uh, story is carrying over from one episode to the other. Um, it is, but but you'll find out. There was a story this week, but the story wrapped up within the course of the episode, and next week is going to be playing off of this uh, episode, but not this particular story. We'll get into it uh, after. <laughs> uh, so uh, Clara and the Doctor uh, are. Uh, I I think we join them at the tail end of an adventure that they're at. They're dicking around, aren't they, Clara? Yeah, well, uh, the Doctor appears to be dicking around. Clara is in a spacesuit floating around uh, in in the giant cold vacuum, the deep dark of space. And she's not alone, though. She's got some sort of... What did he say was in it? It was some sort of parasite or something was in her suit. Uh, It was just going to feed off of her brain or something. No big deal. Uh, the doctor is the one who is in fact dicking around as he takes his sweet time to materialize the TARDIS around Clara and remove her helmet and, uh, stomp the shit out of whatever the fuck it was that was in her, uh, spacesuit. And, uh, what, what I really dug about that, by the way, was for the next like minute or so after that, every step he took, you could still hear the squishy sound of yes. presumably alien bug guts. On the I wonder if it's, I know you, I know you're a sound geek when it comes to, uh, films and television so I, I was listening to that. i did think i bet you've noticed it <laughs> oh yeah yeah i heard that right away i was like that's great every step was just <laughs> yeah there's just goo and uh and shit and uh he's like hey i'm gonna step outside and wipe off my boot and uh as he does they are surrounded quickly by what appear to be a group of vikings and uh the doctor is uh very quick to jump to his defense grabs his sonic shades and he's like, hey, this is this is like a thousand years more advanced than anything you've got. To which the Viking guy just grabs them and snaps them in half. Best moment uh, of the entire episode. <laughs> he was just like, the fuck with this? By the way, Doctor, that would not have happened if it was a sonic screw. He would not have broken it that easy. Had it I, think, I think there's a lesson you need to learn from this, Doctor. Those shades are cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh Anyway, uh, after a comical moment, because I, I think it's like, we're not going anywhere. And he just quickly breaks them. And he's like, Claire, we're going with the Vikings. And that's yeah. what the uh, the cold open was. Um, however, the Viking village uh, is quickly found under siege by a group of aliens called the Mire. Uh, the doctor, before any of this happens, because uh, the Vikings are all like, kill these outsiders. And he's like, I'm Odin. Clearly, can you not tell by Odin's mythic yellow yo-yo that is uh i'm sure in all of norse mythology i'm sure it's in there somewhere uh bound to show up in one of the thor movies at some point uh (laughs) when in fact hopkins has already gone out to toys r us and bought one (laughs) that's right (laughs) um however uh 
things go sour quickly as what appears to be the real Odin appears in the sky, a gigantic head in a cloud. And uh, <laughs> the doctor has been shown up clear. He's trying desperately to be like, don't listen to this fake Odin. Look at my yo-yo, everyone. Uh, but un- unfortunately for the Vikings and for the doctor and Claret, uh, it is uh, an invasion by this uh, this alien species called the Meyer, and they uh, they don't really look like that. They look like weird kind of bug alien CG looking things, uh, and uh, the Odin thing is is but a mask. Uh, like if anyone's ever watched uh, Stargate SG One. <laughs> Did anyone ever watch Stargate SG One? I have I have watched Stargate SG One and I, it, I am the guy who watched Stargate Universe until it got binned. <laughs> yeah, they got they got they got shafted, unfortunately. Um that was a good show. I thought it was I thought it was going pretty good, but it it it, it did not last long. We're gonna let, let's go back and talk about Doctor Who. Um uh this is uh, we learn one of the universe's most powerful uh warrior races. Uh and this is when we meet Maisie Williams, a shielder or TARDIS. Who knows, Ben? It could mean anything. <laughs> um, she ends up antagonizing them, essentially. Uh, and is like, hey, if you want a war, we're Vikings. We'll fight you anywhere. Uh, the Meyer, though, take all of the village's best and strongest warriors and uh, kills them or... Uh, turns them into something for them to consume. I'm not sure exactly how it works. They exactly. they, ex- they effectively disintegrate them in order to extract the testosterone from them. Ah, that's right. Well, if you're going to go after testosterone, uh, Vikings mm-hmm. is not that's not a bad start. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Certain Germans, I think. Yeah. So now that a sh- <laughs> so now that a shielder has put them in such a horrible circumstance, the Doctor and Clara have to begin training the remaining villagers for war. Uh, in what is what could be best described as a bad news bears esque montage of you, basically you just got a village full of people who don't know how to be warriors and the doctor is comically trying to train them. Uh, at first it seems hopeless, but then the doctor concocts a plan that also utilizes a shoulder as after he learns a little bit more about her. You see, she's she's different, Ben, from the rest of the. Uh, the warriors in the village, and she's always known this, and uh, she's a bit of a storyteller, and there's just something off about her. Whether mm-hmm. or not we find anything about that... Uh, it's because he recognizes her from Thrones. That's all it was. I, yeah. He was a big fan, and, and who can blame him? Uh, the next day, the Meyer invades. Uh, the Doctor, however, successfully steals one of their helmets for a shielder to use, and using this, she hacks into the Meyer's other helmets and forces them to retreat by projecting a, a false image into their viewport things. Uh, but then <laughs> she dies somehow uh, due to the helmet draining her life away, which uh, for a thing that is that's never explained either that that could even be a thing. Yeah, you know. But it happened whenever. Um, the Doctor and Clara, however, are, are sad about all of this. And uh, they're about to leave. Uh, uh, long story short, they get the Meyer to leave. There's something about a viral video, and let's let's be honest, it was kind of trashy. Uh, there was no, there was no. They, they basically happy slapped um, yeah. the guy who was supposed to be Brian Blessed. That's yeah. 
Um, and they're like, all right, well, that girl is dead, and that blows, but we, I guess we kind of saved people. And this is when the show really picked up steam and became incredibly super interesting. For the final ten minutes. Um, the, doctor and, the Doctor and Clara are about to leave, and the Doctor is very clearly upset. And he tells Clara that he's he's tired of losing. And she's like, what, what are you talking about? We won! Did you not you remember the electric eels and the... We're gonna we're gonna put that guy looking like an idiot on YouTube and and I could understand if you'd forgotten all this doctor because it really was just awful anyway yeah <clears throat> and uh, no he says he's he's tired of losing people and uh, just every, everything that has been happening to him uh, probably since the departure of Matt Smith it's it just it has not been a fun roller coaster ride. And uh, there's just something missing. And this ties back to something he tells Clara about earlier, about how it's okay for him to make ripples in, in uh, time and space, but he can't make tidal waves. Like, that's bad. You, you don't want to really... He, he's allowed to, to drop a pebble in there, but he's not allowed to drop a boulder. Um, and uh, as he's saying this, he's looking at his reflection in some water and seeing ripples in it. And this sparks his memory back to uh, Peter Capaldi's first episode last year uh, when he was swearing up and down to that poor homeless man that he was ranting to that uh, he remembered the face from somewhere. Like it it felt familiar. Maybe he was trying to tell himself something. And then all of a sudden the memory triggered in his brain to the Fires of Pompeii episode with Donna and David Tennant Doctor, uh, where, of course, Peter Capaldi did play a character whose name I can't remember. Sicilius? Sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. That sounds Romany. Uh, <laughs> that's either the name of his character or, or it's a bacterial infection, I forget. Supremus Maximus. Yeah, uh, why not? Peter Capaldi. Sicilius, I think it was. Yeah. Peter Capaldius. Uh, and, uh, th- and that story was uh, near the end of that episode as well. It was the doctor trying to explain to Donna that this Pompeii thing is just something that has to happen. He, and Donna's pleading with him, you know, I know you can't save everybody. Just, you know, save this family. And uh, David Tennant doctor does that. He saves them, uh, even though he probably wasn't supposed to, but he did. And uh, one thing they also don't mention is that apparently Celius's family worshipped David Tennant and Donna as gods afterwards, because <laughs> I think they had like a monument to them in their home or something. I think it was I don't think it was meant to be portrayed like that, but it certainly looked like they just turned them into gods and they worshipped them. Um, but this sparked it for Peter Capaldi, doctor, who now realized this was a reminder to him that what he does is save people. Uh, this is what he does. It does not matter uh, what the situation is or what's happening around him. If there's somebody he can save, damn it, he is going to save that person. And he decides that a shoulder is not going to die. Uh, he goes into the TARDIS, finds a little doodad, messes around with it a little bit, puts it on her forehead, at which point her forehead absorbs this doodad. And uh, he throws a second one, kind of like a, you know, take another one and call me in the morning uh, type thing. Except it is not for her to take. He explains to Clara that it's for somebody else of her choosing to have. Uh, 
because the doctor explains uh, that this device isn't only going to fix her. It may kind of permanently fix her forever. Mm. Like she's immortal. She's not going to die. And uh, barring any significant accidents. Sure. Of course. Like if she fell down a flight of stairs or something. I don't think that'd do. I think there's a, that line was the the the, the codicil was obviously put in there for a reason that I guess we're going to find out probably within certainly within the series, if not by the end of the next episode. And uh, clearly, uh, I think we all know where this is going, right? Uh, but we'll we'll talk about it in a moment. Uh, and he tells Claire that he gave her the other one uh, because nobody should have to go through what she's about to go through by herself. And maybe she'll find somebody one day that she wants to share her time and her life with. And uh, we then close on a great shot of Maisie Williams as uh, the camera is panning around her. But uh, time and space is moving much quicker. Which was a beautiful bit of photography. Yes. And we see her expression change from being happy to probably, I guess, slowly realizing what's happened to her. And um, so there you go. I, th- I think a touch of malevolence may be read into her facial expression at the end of it as well. Maybe. Um, so there you go, everybody. Mrs. Captain Jack Harkness is born. <laughs> and uh, by, I'm sure you've seen the already <laughs> that, she's, that she meets Captain Jack Harkness and makes him immortal. Although somebody had tried telling me already that Rose is the one who made him immortal. Yes. J- J- Jack is made immortal by the TARDIS in, yes. in Rose form. Yes. When she's bad wolf in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, she just brings him back to life, and then he's stuck like that. Um, all right, Ben, dig in, sir. The girl who died. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? <laughs> Worst episode ever. Wow. Right? Not Maybe not ever, because in fairness, let's be honest, Doctor Who has on occasion stunk to high heaven. Um, but <laughs> this... this No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that. This episode... Right, let's deal with it this way. Okay, so I like the humour in Doctor Who when it's done well. And there were parts of this episode that were done very well. I like the callbacks in Doctor Who, the in-jokes, because I'm a geek and that's kind of what we live for. All about that. I like the references to um, external stuff that, you know, again, within the sort of geek sort of consciousness. I like all those things. Mm. Maisie Williams? Good performance, although I have to say I didn't think she was. Um, I, I, people have referred to as you know standout, astonishing performance. I actually thought she was just a perfectly competent performance from her. Um, but then again, you know she's working with what she's working with. I wouldn't expect you know. Sure. Some, she she that. stood out to me compared to other. Oh, she some was other be- guests in the past for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say she's a better actress than a lot of the guest stars they've had in in the past. But then a lot of the guest stars they had in the past. Take um, pick a random one, Frank Skinner. The guy's not an actor. He did a competent role as uh, the he was the, the the guy on the train, if you remember. Yes. Uh, the engineer. Um, but yeah, so she, you know she she was an actress, and she's an actress in a probably the biggest show in the world right now. And I'd expect to see a good performance from her. So you know, fair enough. I accept as well that Brian Blessed was supposed to be, uh, um, well, pseudo-Odin instead of David Schofield, and I know he couldn't do it because he wasn't well and so on. And you look at him and you do kind of, it does scream Brian Blessed, that role, doesn't it? Um, So no surprise to find out that that was that. But here's the thing. The 
storytelling devices, given that this is this is an episode about storytelling, um, and I, I think that's going to be a theme that runs through this series as it did through the last, is that you know, so uh, uh, Shilda is. Uh, you know, she 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 tells stories, uh, sagas, if you will, to use the the Viking um, preference. I would imagine um, to you know to try and influence in her own mind at least the odds of people coming back from raids and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's this whole storytelling metaphor. Given that that's the case, shoehorning in every little plot device in this episode felt clumsy and juvenile. It felt as if it was done to lead up to a big point, which Doctor Who has done many times over the years, yes. and it does it well. This episode, it did not do it well. Um, people go, well, yeah, but hang on a minute. This is a story about a time-traveling man in a box. and blah, blah. Yeah, no, okay, well, fuck you, because these things still have to live within their own universe. Yes. And this doesn't. I mean, <sighs> this is a great episode. It's like if Horrible Histories, which I, uh, I don't know if that ever made it to the States. It do you know that show? No. Okay, right. It's a, it's a kind of kids comedy version of of history. It's like history lesson, but with, with the nasty bits left in, basically, but for kids. <laughs> um, this is it's it's a good show if you've got kids who you know you want to teach about uh, history. Uh, it's a fantastic show. But this this was a kids show. This episode. This was you know Vikings with the horned helmets. This is mm-hmm. um, you know convenient electric eels that make no sense in any sense geographically or Agreed. in any other sense that it, yeah. i mean and that was all to, to to the whole thing just dunk it was the laziest storytelling i have ever seen in doctor who this is it's like a whole episode of golden arrows if those who listen to the last series of the show know what we're talking about um <laughs> the the basic the basics were there, though. This is what I think is so unforgivable about this, yeah. is that all of the components they needed to make this work were there. So the we, we had a, an opportunity to introduce a new um, sort of enemy race in this, the Maya. Okay, aesthetically, do you know what? They were uh, they were uncompelling. Um, with the sure. helmets on, they, they looked like they were going to be Dragoon. With the helmets off, they looked a bit like something from uh, Tremors. Um <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, they they weren't particularly great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, again, though, it keeps with the sort of adolescent, this is how you might draw a bad guy sort of thing in Doctor Who. I, yeah. uh, again, underwhelmed. But they had, so we had a new bad guy. We had the idea that they're under, you know, that they've got these chips that are implanted that constantly repair them. Great, okay, I can live with that as a storytelling device. No problem with that either. Um, you had the... I suppose we can even have, you know, the reason why they're tapping into local mythology in order to uh, manipulate and control them and so on. And we understand what their motivation is, which is to harvest the testosterone, although that's sort of wiped out of the storyline, you know, as quickly as the idea is introduced. Sure. Um, all, all of those things are there. We got to we got to get the impression that it was okay for Clara to be a badass and to teach a shielder that being a badass is fine. We We saw that kind of good actually i have to say well-written dialogue between them and odin Mm -hmm. all of this stuff was great but then everything that linked it together was was just this kind of lazy nonsense the this the storytelling um thing i I can kind of live with because i guess they're trying to pick up a theme here and it was kind of tied to the way that they were yeah you know so we know that the maya for example um you know they're a bit like the Klingons in the sense that they, you know, they go off home with their tor- you know, tall tales of battle. Okay, I, I get that. I guess that ties to what Maisie says. It, 
it, it's just that, you know, if you were rating someone on the storytelling here, you wouldn't rate it very highly. The point of this episode, it all comes to this, is why we get to figure out what's what's wrong inside the Doctor. What's this internal conflict that he's obviously been battling with since his first appearance uh, with Capaldi as the Doctor? Am I a good man and um, I save people, which we've heard a couple of times now? Um, the The situation, I think, is probably this... It was going to. It felt like a build-up to a huge reveal, and it wasn't because the reveal is no more than the Doctor has effectively implanted a reminder in himself through his regeneration that uh, that you occasionally you can you can drop the breeze block, um, you can drop the boulder rather than the pebble, right. and that that isn't new. We've the doctor knows that we've seen it before. Okay. It may be a jolt to himself to remember that that's the case. And I guess that's fine, but that's, that's not a big build up. I know you've got to, sorry, it's not a big reveal rather. I know that they had to find a way of, you know, making Capaldi's casting as the doctor makes sense within the, you know, within the universe and so on. And I get that. And I think that's sure. a perfectly adequate way of doing it, but to cobble together an episode to produce. Yeah. And, it, and it, I, I challenge anyone to, to you know to contradict that this is you know this was a collection of kind of lazy devices cobbled together to produce ultimately that revelation you you've got to have a bigger payoff than than the one they gave now mm-hmm. don't get me wrong i do think that Maisie williams um as a shielder i think i think this is th- this is a this is a huge plot device that um the, the, the chip thing this is this is a huge uh potential new new thing here i hope they don't piss us away with one episode uh, as in well two episodes i suspect they will because i suspect they probably can't afford it for much longer than that yeah. um people have been picking apart with all sorts of crazy ass theories about her name as shielder um the one that uh that you referenced earlier on about uh, some crazy ass bit of maths to make her name into the word tardis uh none of the, none of that is necessary um I think they've kind of been a bit route one. Uh, Radio Times, which is a BBC publication, in fairness, uh, one of their columnists, Paul Jones, uh, picked it apart this week and said, look, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, a shielder is a combination of two old Norse words, uh, ass, which, I, as I said, I'm pretty sure that's not how that's pronounced, yeah. uh, which is translated as God, and Hilda, which is um, uh, battle. So the, the idea is that, you know, she's... Um, she created... Uh, a sort of uh, this 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 teleprojection thing she created the uh, the means to to win that battle yeah uh there's also people talking about hilda as in h i l d r uh, as opposed to the weird name hilda uh which was the name of one of the valkyries which is one of um odin's handmaidens um who would choose which warriors live and die on the battlefield and so on um yeah i'm sure so, that was all carefully chosen uh yeah, yeah. like the obvious yeah, I mean this this isn't accidental. I think as I think Paul Jones put it, um uh did writers Jamie Matheson and Stephen Moffat simply pick it out of the Viking phone book? Mm-hmm. I it would it would seem not. Of course they didn't. That's not the way it's done. Um she could be far more interesting. I just think it's I just think it's really unfortunate that in order to introduce her, to explain the doctor and to I suppose if it was deliberate to introduce the new race of bad guys, mm-hmm. that that they had an episode that was it just felt so 
so clumsily assembled. Yeah. Um, there's some great stuff in there in terms of callbacks and stuff, which I guess we'll talk to, talk about in a minute. But that's that's why I'd say I I just think this episode is almost unforgivable. <laughs> um, I I'm I'm not quite as harsh on it, but there obviously you've made ridiculously good points that I don't disagree with at all. Um, but I the like the com- the comedy mostly worked for me. I I giggled. I mean, I wasn't laughing my ass off or anything at the episode, but you know, I I thought it was uh you know cute in that in that serviceable kind of way. Did did uh, any of the, those those uh, comedy moments actually stand out for you though? Uh, no, 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 no. Like none of it, like, you know, none of it really stands out, but you know, like I, you know, I chuckled at stuff. I I thought it was cute that he named everybody based off of, uh, what he made of them, uh, when he looked at them. Uh, you know, that's true. He had the whole lofty Daphne nog in the nog thing. That was good actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, limpy, I think was a guy who only had one leg or something or, uh, I don't remember, uh, which I thought was, uh, yeah, it's gosh harsh, but the, the doctor, remember this is a guy who needs, uh, uh, you know, like pocket cards to remind him of nice <laughs> things to say to people in circum- certain circumstances. Um, the, the whole like I was okay with everything up until they decided, you know, how they were going to defeat the Mire, and then that's when everything fell apart for me. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, the whole electric eel thing, which just was so, Ugh. you know, you know, I guess Deus Ex eel. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck happened there, but it just so happened to have eels and not just regular eels, but electric ones. Who who demonstrated their electrical uh, capacities only at the right point in the dialogue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like I don't mind scenes where the doctor is like, hey, and you may be wondering how I got this cup of tea, and the answer is, I'm the doctor. Like, that's okay. That's fine. That's, but, see, this is my point. That's exactly what they do well, but where it's just... Th- those are... <sighs> That's done within the spirit of Doctor Who. This yeah. this episode was not. This was like, how are we going to defeat these guys? And they have uh, electric eels, and they electrocute them. And they're like, does that make any sense? And they're like, eh, who gives a shit? I mean, if you if you've got a Viking story and you're going to go for you know the gods, mythologies, and all that sort of crap, yeah. and you want electricity in bolts, there is a slightly more obvious answer if you really want to fuck with it, <laughs> baby. All you need is some sort of conductor and a TARDIS that doesn't isn't parked immediately nearby, I know, but if you wanted to create the illusion of a different god, that could yeah. have been done. Somebody perhaps with uh, some sort of hammering device. You may well think that. Yeah, mayhaps. Um, well, they don't want Marvel after their ass, I think, is, and Disney, more importantly. They'd, uh, I, they, they may have some sort of inferiority complex where they may think that they own everything in relation to Thor. So uh, <laughs> I, best, best to just stay clear of that. Otherwise known as Apple Syndrome, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we might even get a cease and desist letter for me just saying the name just now, so we'll find mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, so the, that and then the whole... Essentially, they defeated... This fierce race by, I mean, I kind of get it because they're supposed to be badasses and they they made them look a fool. But the fact that he's just like, I'm just going to upload this to, you know, the, essentially the galactic version oh. of YouTube. Uh, I mean, again, oh, yuck. It was just horrible I like dialogue. I didn't like that at all. And to me, that feels like something that's going to be horribly dated at some point in the future. Can you imagine? Yeah. 
Do you know, actually, you may have hit the nail on the head there in the sense that when you go back and watch Classic Who, as people insist on calling it now, um, when you go back and watch that, the biggest problem with it is, other than, you know, kind of ropey costumes and stuff, um, the biggest problems in terms of the dialogue and the storytelling is that the imagination in some places seems so dated. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, absolutely. The idea of, you know, 15 years from now, someone talking about the, you know, intergalactic video hub or whatever the fuck he said, that is gonna. That's gonna be cringeworthy. Let's just tie it in because we got to do Star Trek talk at least a little bit every week until oh, yeah. we actually make a Star Trek <laughs> podcast for the premium channel. It'll happen channel. one day, man. Even if it's on uh, Flip for Side B or something. Yeah. yeah. Um. I because I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of watching chronologically all of Star Trek. Uh, mm-hmm. which means I started with Enterprise. I'm not talking chronological television no, 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 wise. No, I'm, I'm talking yeah. the timeline. And nice. so I am up to the original series, obviously, and. Uh, I mean, and even though I've seen these a million times, there's a bunch of things in the original series, even though Enterprise was a prequel to the original series, uh, that have since made things in the original series look extremely dated. Mm -hmm. Like in Balance of Terror, they talk about the Earth-Romulan War, and they used nuclear weapons in this war. The Romulans dropped nukes on us, and I'm like... Eh, we had photons on an Enterprise. It wasn't like that at all. They had a they had a ship and that could mimic the the design of any other. Like they weren't using nukes in Enterprise. Uh, the episode I was just watching today, I oh, I can't remember which one it was, and um, Kirk says something along the lines of like, uh, "I'm sorry, we can't do that right now. We we're under orders to stu- to study all quasar and quasar like phenomenon." <laughs> like quasars are a huge fucking deal still 110 years after enterprise we've already been in space uh discovering things like it's just stuff like that that at, at the time in the 60s people were like oh shit quasars holy shit and you know a nuclear war in space like all of these things seemed like futuristic ideas at the time but you know are now horribly you know kind of dated i mean i'm sure people would today would still love to go and study quasars up close and shit like that. But in the universe of Star Trek, especially when they did Enterprise, mm. um, it made a lot of that stuff look dated. And just the galactic YouTube thing is not oh. going to... I don't think that's going to age particularly well. And then, I, I don't remember the last time I, I properly groaned out loud at yeah. something in Doctor Who. And yeah. that, that line did do that to me. You can save me a little bit here, Ben. And yeah. you can tell me that I missed a line where they explained how a shielder died from the helmet because i don't remember them explaining i just remember them okay so i just remember them poking her with a stick and they're like oh shit she's dead (laughs) this sort of river phoenix end of stand by me sort of (laughs) yeah no um all right so they didn't really so the we know that he ad- he adapts the the helmet, which is a, a nice callback line to Third Doctor with the whole reversing the polarity of the neutron flow thing. Yes, um, cute line, but nothing. Reverse know. the polarity <laughs> of the neutron flow, which yeah. he says. I, I hope that means something because it sounds good or whatever it was he says. Um, right, so we know that happens. We can then see in the next shot of her sort of, you know, in, involved in imagining stuff and so on that she's beginning to look slightly distressed i think we could probably say from it Mm -hmm. um and then the next you're quite right the next thing we hear about is oh shit she's dead oh look very dead um poke with the stick etc yeah and i there is there's some dialogue over that somewhere um but it's not from the doctor it comes between uh her father 
and Clara. Mm-hmm. And there isn't an explanation in there other than something to the effect of, oh, it must have been too much for her. Again, feedback or something, right? Or some like such a... horseshit. Yeah. Again, this is, but this is, this is what, this is exactly, it's a very good example of what I'm talking about, about the lazy storytelling. Yeah. How, how much effort would it have taken to. That's just a couple of lines of dialogue to, to be like, this is going to be it risky. It could have been a special effect, a pyrotechnic on the side of the helmet because it was, a, you know, it was a, uh, it had been adapted yeah. by the doctor, hadn't it? I mean, um, even, even a line where the doctor before this all happens is talking with Ashilder about this and his plan. And letting her know, like, you know, we can do this, but it's it's really risky. It's dangerous if you do this. Something bad might happen. And yeah, she's that, like, would have, that would have worked. And she's like, well, if something bad happens to me, that's okay, as long as it saves the village. You know, like, there are just some dialogue bits. I mean, because I was actually really confused, and not in the way that I'm normally confused by Doctor Who, because sometimes <laughs> the show can get a little complex, sometimes with its wibbly-wobbliness and its timey-wimeyness. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was actually really confusing. It's like, she just had the helmet on. I didn't hear any sounds. I didn't see any sparks. I didn't see nothing. It was just like, oh, and she's dead now. That's Mm -hmm. what happened. Like, and then, then like, you know, as you said, they never really explained it. I read some horseshit explanation online somewhere where someone was saying, well, uh, we know that the Maya feed on testosterone and, um, I, I got lost in this article, but she doesn't have either, much testosterone. It's either she didn't have much testosterone, or in the alternative, that um, effectively they, you know, it's not just testosterone they feed on their, you know, they sort of consume um, the whatever, you know, bodies basically one way or another. Sure. But then that didn't make sense either. I, ugh, whatever. I mean, the fact is, like, <laughs> I can think immediately of like maybe ten to fifteen simple ways either through one or two lines of dialogue or something that would have solved that problem and not left it looking amateurish yeah um yeah i i agree the um i mean however (laughs) i really uh however how i I know i mean i still like the episode and i think i still like it more than you do but um, like I said, I, I was kind of okay with everything up until like the electric eel bit and then everything fell apart from there, but then it all beautifully came back together again when, you know, he remembered, you know, or, or at least he's making a fairly logical assumption as to why he has this face and the memory that it triggered. And, you know, he decided to fuck with this ripple shit. I'm going to start making tidal waves if I feel like it's right to make a tidal wave. Um, you know, like, I, I like that. Unfortunately, I will say this. I was a little sad, like, when it, when it when it, when it happened and they showed David Tennant and Donna, I'm like, oh, my God, David Tennant and Donna. <laughs> uh, it was that. I mean, that was great. I, I leapt from my seat in joy just to see them again. Unfortunately, it was just reused footage from the actual episode of Fires of Pompeii. They they didn't like people had uh, rumor mongered among themselves. They did not actually go back there. David Tennant wasn't actually in the episode, um, huh? as, as best we can tell. And, oh, I see uh, what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he didn't return to shoot new footage or anything like that. No, no. Um, which is again, you know, maybe a little bit sad. Yeah, but... I was I was a little bit disappointed, but I was ultimately happy that they used that moment to like explain and you know, and it tied into this story. It's just that the way they got to that point, as you mentioned, felt like just slapped together. 
But here's the thing, all right? So the Doctor has this revelation, and he could have come to that revelation through any number of means. But okay, he came to it by this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the explanation part of it just, again, seemed like a, a use of some old footage. Yeah. As a, and, you know, and pulling at the, you know, the sort of squee for oh, it's, it's Tennant and, uh, and Tate. But yeah. the... Double T. <sighs> Double T. But I, I do... <sighs> I mean, the logic of this is that, you know, he's talking about making ripples and everything else, and he's talking about the nature of his regeneration. Now, the only time recently we've heard any discussion about how physically the regeneration manifests is from the Sisters of Calm, uh, Sisterhood of Calm. Yes. Um, and I, I know you, people go, oh, I just want another fucking excuse to get Claire Higgins back into it. Well, that's true. But, <laughs> but it would have been more sensible... <laughs> If there had been some further discussion or some further explanation or some something to do or even a reminder of what she had said to, uh, well, it would have been to McGann, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, about that regeneration, about the, the choice and about, you know, how it might manifest. There are so many better ways rather than just showing a sort of stock footage of him saving someone and going, oh, yeah, that's what I do. I save people. Yes. It, uh... And I know, I know. It worked I, for me, sir. It worked for me. Uh, but it was... I know, to be fair, I suppose I ought to get some perspective on, on this because this is, um, this is, you know, we. I guess I have to remember, this is a way of uh, the current um, production team here and obviously uh, for Moffat mm. of explaining, you know, an inconvenient part of... Yes. Uh, a, a part of things. So, and, and I get that. So it doesn't need to be... Um, a sort of Moffat grand story arch, but sure. it just felt like if you if you put an episode together in order just to get you to that point, it you need to do something better with it than yeah. just going oh it's because I save people. I mean, fairness, well done, Capaldi, because he did he, it well. He, that was he played that revelation. You know, he he notched, yeah, he amplified that revelation yeah. far beyond what it deserved, actually. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It di- you're right. It didn't need to be a thing, but you're correct. As we mentioned before, Moffat likes to fix little inconsistencies. Although there are still some pretty gigantic things that they've never wrapped up that he has not touched. Uh, I mean, uh, fuck. Even speaking of Donna, isn't she still technically a, a Doctor Donna time bomb set to go off at any point if something happened? Oh yes, and you know that Catherine Tate would return to the show in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind seeing her back. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's but, funny. It's funny whenever you see something with Catherine Tate these days, because uh, after she finished in the show, she gave an interview, which I think might have made her a bit unpopular briefly, mm-hmm. uh, in which she basically said, "Yeah, you know, whenever I go to these uh, comic cons or whatever else, I get these people saying, you know, oh, but what about in this episode?" Blah blah blah. blah. And she's like, oh, "Just honestly, get over it, love. Look at my face. I ain't even bothered um, because." <laughs> You know, oh, for God's sake. But then I've noticed now occasionally she gets asked about it in interviews and stuff. And she has clearly kind of gradually become assimilated by the Doctor Who universe. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's what's say happening. Doctor Who universe because I refuse to say Hooniverse. Uh, that's what's happening to Eccleson too, but at a much slower rate. Eccleson, he yeah. In about fifty in about in about fifty years he'll be at he'll be at Comic Cons in about fifty years or so. Yeah, for sure. He's not eating the humble pie, but he has at least sat down with it in front of him, hasn't he? Yeah. He 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 wants to attain Tom Baker levels of not really giving that much of a shit, but 
he won't he won't reach it. Uh, Do you think eventually he's going to become Colin Baker, which is like, let me back in, let me back in, let me back in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Colin no, Baker is the opposite. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Um, so here's one thing we can cross off the list. Uh, a shoulder is not going to be the doctor's daughter. No. Uh, nor is she probably the Ronnie at this point. It's been made no. established that she's not a Time Lord. Nice. Uh, but they did talk about how she might be a bit of a hybrid. And this brings us to one of the other themes that's run throughout these things. So yeah. Davros um, in, well, what we've already seen, the hybrid thing, the prophecy, uh, two great warrior races. Well, the Vikings are a, a great warrior race, um, and it's a hybrid with the greatest warrior race in the universe. It seems a bit route one, but I suppose... sure. That's a hybrid thing. Davros, of course, was talking about the Time Lords and the Daleks. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, where else? Are we? There was another hybrid reference somewhere. I've forgotten what it was now, off the top of my head. Um, no, there, there was something else somewhere as well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Um, Me either. At this point, uh, have they have they filmed all of all of series nine? Has that all been? Filmed oh yeah, it's in all the in the can, and, and I think the Christmas one's in the can as well. Okay, well then that would that would uh, uh, that would then stop my uh, uh, my theory in its tracks, unless it's a theory that unless it's something that carries over into next year. I I, I was just imagine because Davros talked about the hybrid thing like it would be a you know like it would be a great thing to him, which of course would mean it would be a a terrible thing. I, one would imagine for the rest of the universe, yeah, uh, that sort of thing. Like it's a bad coming together of these two things. And uh, I'm just like, uh, they're gonna turn Maisie Williams into like a supervillain? Does yes. she like? Does she like kill Clara, and then the Doctor has to face off with Maisie Williams, like the thing oh. that he created, like at the end of the season? I don't think I don't think we're gonna have to wait that long. I think um, I think we're going to now see a very quick flip in his uh, "I save people" thing. I think that. Uh, it, it could, hey man, it could be a, a, a series long theme because remember, Davros just wanted the Doctor to say uh, just once that compassion was a bad thing, and his compassion for a shoulder, if it turns her into something horrible, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that's actually that's probably a better theme for them to pick up on as well, isn't it? Because it makes more sense. But um, yeah, I I think uh, a shoulder is is going to very swiftly turn out to be a bit of a bad egg. Uh, and I think she's going to be that because of the Doctor's influence, uh, or, or rather his uh, creation, I suppose, of her in her current form. Um, whether whether that gets resolved straight away or whether it takes long, I presume it's going to get resolved pretty quickly because I don't think they can afford Maisie Williams for any prolonged period of time. No, no. Um, <laughs> she, she ain't going to come cheap nowadays. Uh, no. and I, uh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I suppose, again, you would say, well, it's too route one for her to now become a villain that, you know, only one person realistically can kill. We know the doctor is foreseeing the possibility of her dying even in, in her new state because it's, you know, notwithstanding, uh, any accidents or whatever. Right. Um, I wonder if, yeah, I think Davros may be about to get his jerk off moment here. Um, <laughs> Which oh, there's an unpleasant thought. Uh, Indeed. Oh, don't know where that came from. That made me feel a little bit sick. Uh, the yeah, uh, I I think we're going to find out that Maisie Williams is is trouble, yeah, and I think yeah. the Doctor will have to terminate her. 
Uh, all right, sir. So your score for the girl who died. <sighs> Shields up. <clears throat> Two and a half. Oh, wow. That is a, that is down from last week, even. This is the lowest score I've given to any episode on... Uh, At least since we've been doing the premium shows, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, the only one I think came close... I can't remember what score I gave uh, uh, Robot Sherwood. But I'm guessing that was <laughs> pretty damn close. Was... Actually, you know what? You may have given that one a two. Did I? I believe. Mm. Um... But I think this well, one... okay, that makes this right because this episode is marginally better than that. That is yeah. a heap of shit. That episode. <laughs> I am, uh... and I speak as a big fan, as you know. But still, <laughs> I am not get I because here's the thing: I can't give it my lowest score of the season so far because I like this slightly better than last week's episode. Um, I'm uh, again breaking with uh, Geeky Glasses tradition and giving this three and one quarter. Uh, because, like I like I said, I I actually enjoyed the the beginning and the end. It's just the whole, uh, the I guess kind of the middle nearing the end part that just drove me up a wall. But they kind of saved it for me at the end a little bit, I suppose. Uh, last week, I think I gave that episode a three, which I think is my was my lowest. So, um, yeah. uh, let me see. Oh, I I guess uh for. Uh, for the sake of mentioning such things, uh, the Odin appearing in the clouds thing almost oh. entirely a reference to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I would imagine. Well, yeah, uh, or the God in the Clouds thing. I, I actually wondered whether it was reference, perhaps, to the Cheshire Cat as well. Um, oh, I mean, quite possibly, sure. You know, I mean, it. Uh, <laughs> I just found it awfully trite, and <laughs> do you know what? In some ways, though. And this is—I'm a huge Brian Blessed fan, but I'm kind of glad it wasn't Brian Blessed in the end. One because, um, I mean, that scene would have been ridiculous. Up pops Brian Blessed's head in the clouds, and no doubt he'd begin by going "Hello" in that way that he always does, um, which would have been awful. Yeah. And the other problem is, of course, that Odin in this uh, his uh, his costume just far. Far too close to Brian Blessed's most famous costume, I think. Ah, uh, um, he was um, oh, uh, in Flash Gordon. Uh, he played uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, 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 the King of the Hawk people, whose name bear with me one second because I've com- it's completely gone out of my head. But he saved every one of us. Flash did, that's for sure. Well, F- Flash ah uh, did indeed. <laughs> that was the Alan Partridge version of Flash, wasn't it? <laughs> Flash ah, uh-huh. um, hang on, this is going to drive me mental now that I can't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> that would be chat amongst yourselves. I would. Uh, uh, the doctor, by the way, the doctor's yo-yo. That's something that the yellow yo-yo. Uh, I think Tom Baker had that. Uh, uh, one of his one of his companions thought it was magical, didn't she? Was it Le- mm-hmm. Leela or something? Uh, Prince Voltan, thank you, Internet, for telling me that. <laughs> you will know him from such lines as, Gordon's alive. Alive, alive. Yes. Uh, and the Doctor's 2,000-year diary is a take on. He's had previous oh, yeah. incarnations, like a 500-year diary and a 900-year and, and things like that. The... I like the fact that he had to look it up. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let me. I've got this somewhere. Uh... Oh, it's those guys. Yeah. yeah. Which is a bit weird because you'd think, even, you know, I know he's got a lot of things to remember, yeah. but you would think that when he looks them up and goes, oh, yeah, the most, you know, vicious, uh, merciless 
um, fighting fighting race in the universe. That would stick in my mind, I reckon. I don't know. Because <laughs> you would, um, you know, you'd mark them off as probably best to avoid, wouldn't you? So I've, I've got a great idea here before we close out the show. I know we normally do the how much does this Doctor Who thing on eBay cost. But yeah. since Aaron is not here uh, for this week and last time we did a solo round, uh, how about I flip the script a little bit and huh. I, I host a how much does this Doctor Who thing on Etsy cost? <laughs> Problems with Etsy. Etsy's prices really fucked me up because I I don't know how much um, you know these homemade tats supposed to cost. None of these things are uh, <laughs> none of these things are licensed products. These are all homemade things. Um, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I've got a couple of I've got a couple of really awesome items here. Uh, I just like to point out this. Uh, the, the way I just did the disclaimer, then somebody amongst our audience would have gone. That's what this week in science is doing there. <laughs> and, um, uh, of course, these are in United States dollars. Aww. So you're going to have to think, Ben, uh, of how much less this would cost you to buy. <laughs> uh, right. Or how much more it would cost, I suppose, depending on where you live. Um, the first thing we have here, a Doctor Who Starry Night dog collar on yellow webbing, one inch wide. You pick the length. Now, of course, the lengths vary from a small one inch. Uh, or I'm going to say, hang on. You're starting with something that's already got a kind of complicated notion here. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. the, the small goes from 10 to 15 inches all the way up to an extra large, which is 17 to 29 inches. Uh, <laughs> materials used in this item, and this is what I love most about Etsy. Hang on, because... 17 to 29 inch collared dog. What the fuck? That's a horse. Yeah, don't ask me, sir. It says extra large. I'm guessing maybe for people who want to use it for not dogs. I'm Mm -hmm. guessing maybe. Um, Oh, wait. Did that go as creepy as I think it just went? It may have. Okay. Um, Materials. Doctor Who custom fabric. Now, I should note that this does, in fact, look like somebody screen printed a TARDIS onto Starry Night and then wrapped it around on this dog collar-ish thing. It's funny you should say that. (laughs) Uh. It also contains durable nylon webbing, industrial stitching, and of course, the most important material, love for pups. This is made to order, sir. I just did a bit sick in my mouth. (laughs) This is made to order from Carbondale. Of course it fucking is. (laughs) This is made to order from Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, How much would you guess uh, the price of this? uh, Starry Night (laughs) with a TARDIS on it. Dog collar with yellow webbing. Did you say it came with uh, with any tag or anything? Oh, you said laser engraved something. Industrial stitching. No, you said something about uh, laser engraved. Oh, oh no, it said, it said it, it, yeah, it said it looked like scre- like a screen printed version of Starry Night, and then somebody photoshopped a TARDIS onto it, and then they uh-huh. did it onto this fabric. Is what it looks like to me. Uh, right. Okay. So. I know how much it should cost, I reckon, and then you've got to add the the sort of, but this is for a dog, therefore people pay more money for dog's stuff because absolutely, well, dog owners are fucking dumb. Um, he says as a cat owner who does exactly the same thing. Uh, okay, this should be no more than, oh God, US dollars. Uh, I'm just trying to think, I just bought the cats a new collar. I reckon it should cost no more than about Ten dollars, maybe twelve dollars, but I think you then have to add the 
Ponzi Etsy plus stupid fucking dog thing. I'm going to say 18 bucks. Uh, yeah, you're really close, sir. It is 20 American dollars, which oh. is uh, 13 pounds uh, British, uh, which which is far too much. The um, And, of course, these are the next item is something I want for myself. Uh, oh, go on. We have Doctor Who TARDIS Custom Chuck Taylors. Um, you guys have Chuck Taylors over in the UK, don't you? I do not know what a Chuck Taylor is. They are a sh- it is a shoe. Oh, okay. Um, they're a very famous shoe brand uh, in the United States, and uh, these are only men's sizes. But they do they start at a five and go up to a fifteen and a half. Right, hang on. So help me out here. Uh, are these Chuck Taylors right, are Chuck a Taylors, converse? Are they kind of like, I was about to say the converse sort of converse uh, all star uh, shoes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are they the the high back things? Yes. Okay, right. Okay. And they look they look incredibly flimsy the higher up you go on the shoe. Uh, the higher up you go, <laughs> the 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 more paper like it you looks. You are not selling them to me. All right, um, okay. So it, but these are not just any, these are Doctor Who ones, you say. Yes, yes. They okay. it, it is actually quite lovely looking. They are they are Converse Chuck Taylors that have a lovely blue star pattern and a TARDIS on it with uh with a TARDIS light a blinking uh atop on each side. Uh, of the shoe, um, the materials used are Converse All Stars and acrylic paint. Um, so it they sounds sound like kinda, they sound kind of cool, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, you know, not cool in the actual conventional sense, but in the yeah. geek sense. Uh, these are hand painted Doctor Who themed Chuck Taylors. The TARDIS flies through a galaxy theme. I have painted the TARDIS on the right shoe and the galaxy pattern throughout both shoes. I have written in some Gallifreyan on the back of the right shoe and the Doctor Who logo on the left. These are brand new, never been worn, authentic Chuck Taylors painted with artist-grade acrylics. Uh, Made to order from Los Angeles, California, sir. Uh, Okay, well, how how good is the art? Let's start with that. So, are there pictures? Uh, Yes, there are several pictures. Um. Is am... this because Etsy? Let's be honest. I mean, I've got a couple of T-shirts from Etsy actually, but let's let's be perfectly honest about this. Some stuff on Etsy is shit. Mm-hmm. Um, are these? Is this good painting or is this shit painting? Uh, from okay, so from a from a distance, they have one shot that encompasses both shoes. Okay, and it actually looks quite lovely. Now, like anything, the closer you get to it the less amazing it seems to look. Mm-hmm. Um, the TARDIS is actually quite nice. The starry pattern is quite lovely. The Gallifreyan on the back of the right shoe is not incredible, nor is the Doctor Who logo on the left. <laughs> uh, okay. Um... The TARDIS is actually quite lovely. Like I'm shocked they were able to, to, to capture that so decently, yet the Doctor Who logo and the Gallifreyan writing is not so wonderful. You're gonna to have to send me a link to this afterwards. I want to look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, I'm trying to. Th- I've not bought a pair of Converse All Stars in fucking years. Uh, Same here. The last time I had them was sometime in the 1990s. So yeah, yeah, me too. Um, well, I think that might have been the last time it was acceptable to wear them as well. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, if, uh, you're, if you're a hipster, they're they're required. Uh, that's a thing don't... again now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But then you know beards. Mm-hmm least said um (laughs) i'm so glad when that's over right uh i'm gonna say 
Hmm. I reckon about... If they're that good, then they should be like... Well, again, the, the, TARDIS, the TARDIS looks quite nice, but the rest of it definitely looks like somebody tried really hard to hand paint okay. something in a small space and it didn't work out very well. All right. Um, I'm going to... Uh, oh, fucking US dollars, right. Um, something like... Something about 90, 100, something like that. Maybe they kept it under 100 just to not feel like it was too high, I guess. For a second there, I thought you said 1,900. <laughs> like, <laughs> even they would not have the gull. Um, have, you, have you not seen what's happened to your currency whilst we've been on air? <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me check my stock portfolio, <laughs> and I'm jumping out a window. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say, I don't know, $95. $95. That is relatively close. Uh, essentially, you are paying for the Chuck Taylors uh, almost entirely. And then, of course, the artist is putting their work into it as well. It is 115 American dollars or 97 pounds 90. Uh, ah, so, uh, ah, so that's weird. In, yeah, so in British pounds, it's, it is under the 100. Hmm. Yeah, you, you got it right if you were... I got the psychology right, just not the... Uh... Yeah, just not the, the American exchange rate, which puts yeah. it at $115. Um, <laughs> I want to see this. Like, you have to show me this. We, we, should, uh, we should definitely do the, uh, the Etsy thing again sometime because... Etsy's quite cool. I, I, I've not looked at it for a while. You sent me a link to it. I heard a beep. Yeah, I did. I just sent you a link to them. Sweet. Uh, from a distance, they actually look quite interesting. But uh, as oh, you get, cool. yeah, as you get closer to them, it's like, boy, you can really tell that it's hand painted. And then the shot of the stuff on the back is not oh, yeah. quite amazing. Um, oh yeah, I just got to the the shot with the back of them. Okay. Yeah, they mm. are, that isn't amazing. Everything else actually looks quite nice. I, I still kind of like them. Yeah, they only have one pair available. Uh, for that money as well, apparently. So, mm -hmm. so rush, rush me mine is what you need to be saying. Weirdly, it says only one available. Yet, if you click on size, it gives you a variety of sizes. So they must have well, that makes no some sense. Back to the Future esque shoes that <laughs> that mold to your feet or something. Oh yeah, are they made to order? I guess maybe I don't know. They're probably you know what it's probably a made to order thing. And he, and uh, the the seller also says that they do custom work. As well, oh, so. so I was just reading that, so you can have Star Trek ones, yeah, or yeah. or uh, when my birthday rolls around in December, I fully expect Ben to order some custom Cinema Geekly Chuck Taylors <laughs> with the course. with the logo and send them my way. Because who wouldn't want to wear shoes with your website and podcast logo <laughs> plastered on them? You're, you're talking to somebody who owns uh, not this a, no. a beanie and several T-shirts with uh, the stuff of various podcasts I do on them. So. <laughs> But that's for legitimate marketing purposes. Yes, yes, yes. That is for know. promoting. That is for promoting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's a that's a wrap for this week. Uh, ben and I will be back, hopefully with Aaron. Uh, if the pattern holds, Aaron will definitely be back next week uh, to talk about Series 9 of Doctor Who, Episode 6, The Woman Who Lived. Hi. 
it's Ben, the Cinema Geekly voiceover guy. They asked me to do a new voiceover for Halloween. Of course, I'm from England, where Halloween is called the Festival of Dingalofty. We have fine traditions of giving children small lanterns made of turnips to throw at passing deer, and if they hit one, they're allowed to go to bed without being beaten with bay tree branches. We adults then stay up all night putting sharp detritus from around the house into shiny sweetie wrappers to stop the ghosts and ghouls from using them as hair adornments. So it's pretty similar to your door knocking and throwing X bullshit, really. So take care and have a thoroughly terrifying dingalofty. And then look up how we celebrate the 5th of November and why. Burning effigies are so festive. <laughs>